This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. This morning we come to a topic which is of great concern to many, many people. A lot of people are interested in angels and what they mean, how they worked and what they did. All of this Advent season has been and continues to be for the sole purpose of helping us to understand and prepare for the glorious climax of the season, the celebration of the coming of our Savior. And any special of the season, we are prone, if we're not careful, to complicate that which is basically simple. I suppose we uh, who are preachers are especially notorious for this. Uh, preachers sometimes, sometimes have a way of circulating above the heads of people and talking in theological terms that most people don't even understand. Uh, that's a, a real temptation for many preachers to try to show off scholarly wisdom but they fail to communicate. I had one of our seminary professors to make the statement that this was a homiletics professor teaching young boys, young men how to preach. That was back in the days when only men were preachers. And he said, you ought to gear your sermon to about a third or fourth grade level. And if you do this, then maybe some of the deacons in your church will understand what you're saying too. Yes, even the simplest things can become mighty confused. This is often our temptation during special seasons such as Advent. Talking about big ideas, some preachers use the word heavenly manifestations and eminence, incarnation, and all those other big words. We are thinking this morning about something that's very simple. Rejoicing over the message of the angels. But we have in this subject something that really is baffling to a lot of people. It would probably take an entire year of sermons to spell out in, uh, spell out in detail all how the life of Jesus was intertwined with the attending ministry of angels. Before Jesus came to this earth, the angels followed God's orders. And since Jesus has gone back into heaven, the angels have continued to worship him before the throne of God. We have in the Christmas story a very beautiful reference to angels in their ministry. If you have your Bible and want to follow, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading with verse 9 and read verses 9 and 10, and then also verses 13 and 14. Let me read that passage for you. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, that's the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Then skipping down to verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel, that was a singular, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In the well-loved Christmas song, O Holy Night, there's that phrase, Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices. I'd like for us this morning to take a few minutes to do just this, to hear the voices of the angels, not only as they're singing in heavenly choirs, but also as they have other important messages to bring. 
even before the birth of Jesus, we have an appearance of an angel to a man whose name was Zacharias. He and his wife Elizabeth were both descendants of Aaron and were therefore connected with the priesthood. They were both quite old also, well past the time of childbearing. Once when Zacharias was performing his priestly duties in the temple, an angel appeared before him with a startling announcement. This is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. Let me read that, those three verses. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, if you were to ask Zacharias how important this angel's voice was, he would surely tell you. That is, if he could. You remember Zacharias lost his ability to speak immediately following that angel's visit. And he did not regain that ability until after the birth of John. This angel came not simply to announce the birth of their son John, but also to make it clear that John was to be the forerunner, the advanced man, so to speak, of the Messiah. Miracles were already in the making. The stage was being set. It was not long after uh, that before another angel appeared before a person who was the cousin of Elizabeth, a young woman whose name was Mary. And this angel told her that she was to be the mother of Jesus. This angel was Gabriel, one of three angels whose names have been given to us in the Bible. You can read that conversation between Mary and Gabriel in Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 28 through 38. I'm not going to take time to read all that right now. But then there follows what has been called one of the sweetest songs in all of literature. Beginning in verse 46, Mary sings what we call the Magnificat. The words are, My soul doth magnify the Lord. A third appearance of an angel is told in relation to Joseph. Can you imagine his dilemma? Here he is engaged to a girl who tells him that she's expecting a baby. And to make matters worse, Joseph knows that he is not the father of that baby. Joseph knew that their relationship had been absolutely pure and clean sexually. Can't you imagine all the things that must have gone through Joseph's troubled mind when he heard that message from the angel? The scripture says that while he thought on these things, that's Matthew 1 verse 20, an angel appeared unto him in a dream and told him the true story. The, the appearance of the angel to the shepherds made them afraid. But I think it was just the opposite, probably, the reaction from Joseph. What the angel said to him probably gave him peace in his heart. Of course, the most familiar of all the angel appearances is one that we remember, which is recorded in Luke 2, when the angel appeared to the shepherds. And then later, that angel also was joined by a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. 
What could be a more beautiful song than that? What words are needed in our world today more than those? Well, let's move on quickly, though, to look at some other appearances of angels during the ministry of Jesus. Following the temptations of Jesus, we read in Matthew 4, 11, The devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Another example of angels appearing to Jesus. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Luke records in chapter 22, verse 43, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Isn't that beautiful? Just before Jesus was to be crucified, the Father sent an angel to give him strength. And then when our Lord was dying on the cross, there were angels hovering all about, ready in a moment's notice to come in a mighty, overpowering army and rescue Jesus. They were sitting on ready. Even before the cross, when Jesus was being arrested, he rebuked Peter for having cut off the ear of a servant of the high priest. Jesus said to him, Put away, put up again thy sword into its place. Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? That's Matthew 26, verses 52 and 53. Have you ever thought, how many does it take to make up a legion? Jesus talked about twelve legions of angels. Well, I did some research on this, and I found that this can be an indefinite number. It might be as few as 3,000 or it can be as high as 6,000. Now, if we take this figure, we can understand that what Jesus was really saying was he could have called more than 72,000 angels to rescue him from the cross. Some of you may remember the words of a song which say he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But he didn't do this. The point is that Jesus could have called forth an indefinite number of angels had he chosen to do so. But he died alone on Calvary. There's a fourth example of the appearance of angels. At the empty tomb on that first Easter morning, there was an angel. Let me read uh, a few verses from the 28th chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Then in the book of Acts, first chapter, we read of the presence of angels just after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Let me read from Acts 1, beginning in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, 
Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in a manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Those were not two physical men, earthly. They were two angels. Well, there's so many other appearances of angels in our Bible, both in the Old and New Testaments. A lot of misconceptions about angels today. But one very interesting fact was brought to my attention about angels by Billy Graham in his book on angels, a, a wonderful book. You ought to read that. Billy Graham said, while God has delegated angels to make special announcements, pronouncements for him, he has not given the angels the privilege of proclaiming the gospel message. This is a joy which is reserved only for us, for believers. Only human beings can speak salvation's experience to mankind. The writer of that gospel song says it in these words, Holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. And when I sing redemption's story, they will fold their wings. For angels never felt the joy that our salvation brings. Down through the ages, there's remained a con constant condition which has never changed. Mankind is so created that we need the gospel of Christ. There are many who claim to get along quite well, thank you, without Jesus. But the longer I live and the more convinced, the more convinced I am that there comes a time in everybody's life when we have our eyes open to the need for a Savior. For some, it may come sooner than others. But God has a way somehow of getting through to us and letting us know that in ourselves we are powerless, our lives are unmanageable, and peace, joy, and salvation come to us as we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. This is the gospel story. But this is a story that angels cannot tell. God is depending on us to do it. How shall we tell this gospel story? Well, the angels can sing. They can make announcements. I've heard some very beautiful music in my lifetime. But I'm looking forward one day to hearing a heavenly choir of angels which surpasses in beauty anything down on this earth. I have been thrilled to hear on many occasions announcement of, announcements of wonderful events and happenings but one day, I want to hear my Lord say to me, Well done, Kirk, good and faithful servant. During this Christmas season, you have no doubt already heard many stories about doing for others. Actually, this is the heart of Christmas when we do for other people. Jesus said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Let me leave you this morning with the words of Chester Swore, a great preacher from bygone days. He suggests how we might observe and put into practice the true meaning of Christmas. It's not too late to do any of these things. Here's the poem he gave us. Write a note to someone sad. Pay a call to make some glad. Share hope with those in despair. Show some child that you really care. Forgive 
someone who hasn't asked, love some soul with an ugly past, sit a while with someone old for whom your call will be pure gold. Give a smile to all you meet, for there are many on life's street whose hearts are full of hurt and fear, for whom the yuletide holds no cheer. Pray a prayer for those away who need much strength from day to day. If in these days Christ is to live, for him let's give and give and give. Oh God, you've given so much to us, we can never repay you. But help us, we pray, in these days prior to Christmas now, we may be giving people, giving not just material gifts, but most of all giving the good news of the gospel of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.